This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. Hello, I'm your host, Andy Braithwaite, and my guest today on OPI Talk is Ray Stashetsko. Now, Ray is someone who has called the Imaging Channel home for nearly 30 years. Among other things, he's well known for his strong views on topics such as A4 versus A3 and managed print services. So, without any further ado, let's dive straight in. All right, Ray, good to see you today. Thanks for doing this. Perhaps just to start off, you could tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your career in the print industry. Sure thing, Andy. Hey, it's great to be here. You know, I was thinking the last time I saw you was at the OPI meeting in Chicago. That was like a year ago. It'll be really, it'll be fantastic. We can all get out and collaborate again around those little round tables and have a beer. Yeah. Times have changed since then. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's a crazy world we live in, but we have to create that new normal as they say. But you know, Andy, I started in the, in the copier business as a sales rep for a company called the near worldwide headquartered in, I was in Tampa at that time. And, you know, did that for a few years, ended up going to Kansas where I worked with a dealership, ended up owning a dealership in the Kansas marketplace, merged that company with another dealership in the Kansas marketplace, held an equity position in that for about six years. In 2010, I left that that business model and spent about a year really exploring the IT sector. You know, at that 10 years ago, the, the document imaging channel or those copier dealers were really trying to figure out IT, how do we bring IT to the table? Hard to believe 10 years later, they're still talking about trying to do it. But, uh, you know, probably the most eye-opening experience was I spent two years as the COO of a company in Nashville, Tennessee called ImageQuest LLC. And they were a copier dealer, a legacy copier dealer. They were also delivering IT services. And through that experience, it was extremely interesting to me, the value of IT versus print. And as a matter of fact, the last thing I helped Milton do before I left was we sold all the print business to a local dealer and he was left with just an IT business. And I've had him on the end of the day with Ray a couple of times. Fantastic story. Okay. Times have changed over those 20, 30 years, I guess. Tell us a little bit about the end of the day with Ray. Obviously that's uh, something that's, that's taken off. I think you had your 400th episode very recently. So you're doing very well on that. Well, you know, the end of the day with Ray was part of my collaborative platform that I built. The company's called Test for the Innovation Channel, which was really just technology, equipment, and service resellers alliance group. And I went out and looked for strategic companies that could come together on a collaborative platform to try to help us disrupt the way print and these other services were being delivered. And of course, the pandemic kind of threw everybody in their dens or their, or their home offices, as we say. And uh, I started doing video about two years ago. So almost three years ago, actually. And the end of the day with Ray kind of took up a life of his own. So, you know, there's a lot of content out there from being in the industry for the last 30 years. And, you know, I've been a prolific writer on LinkedIn. There's probably about 250 articles out there. And turning some of that into the end of the day with Ray is kind of fun. Bringing people on and interviewing and talking about the industry is a lot of fun. Yeah, no, good. Yeah. And you've certainly, de- you've certainly developed a reputation as a, as a commentator on the print industry with some, or the document imaging industry, perhaps, uh, with some strong views. Let's just go back a few months before, you know, the COVID thing happened. What was your view of the state of the, of, of the print industry then, let's say, a year ago? 
Well, you can go back about two years ago and I started writing about it. Private equity buying up each other with no real diversification strategies. They were just buying more print in a declining marketplace. Print has been declining for 10 years. You know, I think we need finally will admit that today. There has to be major consolidation amongst the OEMs. We have talked about that for the last couple of years. But really, the, the light went off when I worked with a company called NextEra, which is formerly called BEI Services. And they have this database of about 4 million devices worldwide, and they help dealers become efficient in delivering the services of print copy machines. But when you look inside that data and realize there's just literally a huge majority of all the A3 equipment, the bigger machines in the field, are running 5,000 pages a month. They're not doing 11 by 17, which means the world could easily shift to A4. Now, the manufacturers don't like that, but if the, as the customers start to realize through other providers like the OP channel or the IT services channel, that, hey, you know what? We can buy a smaller device and get what we need done, save a lot of money. So I started the A4 revolution. Um, uh, that was about two years ago with my friends at Lexmark, actually in Boston. That's why I called it the revolution, kind of a spin on words. But, you know, that's really kind of gained some momentum. We're starting to see more and more manufacturers talking about their A4 product lines. You know, we're, we're seeing if you look at the manufacturers themselves, they're delivering their growth is really coming in A4. It's not coming in A3. So, you know, there's a lot of changes that that brings to the marketplace with customer awareness. Okay. How has COVID changed any of that? That's the point. COVID. COVID brought us customer awareness. So, you know, I wrote an article this weekend, Andy, and I, I started, I won't do the whole article here on your show, but basically I started out with this. If in 1880, the world quarantined all the horses for one year, would the automobile industry have ramped up a lot quicker? And a more important question is this. Once all the horses were freed from quarantine, would the people that had those automobiles trade them in for their horse again? No. And so what we're seeing now is the digitalization of that SMB space. All the horses are in quarantine. All the workers are in their home offices. People are not printing. You know, th these silly arguments about how many people are going to print at home are not the argument. The mm -hmm. argument is because people will work remote, those businesses have to change their business processes to accommodate a remote workforce. And as they change those processes, it eliminates a lot of print, a lot of scanning, a lot of the things that we do with that with that machine or in front of that machine. Right. So, which doesn't sound, on the face of it, a good thing for the for the print industry if you you're making money by people printing more pages. Well, I think it's a, you know a lot of people have this this paperless argument. We're not going to go paperless. We're going to go annuityless, or the annuity is going to shrink. In other words, all these dealers that have built legacy corporations selling copy machines and collecting a fee every time somebody printed. Well, if they don't print a lot, obviously those fees get less. If we switch from A3, which took five-year leases, to A4, which people will pay cash for, you know? So we just have to figure out how do we make money off the decline in print. And more importantly, that's the force of consolidation. As the manufacturers start to consolidate, there won't be so much competition, number one. When, when you reduce the competition, you can raise the price. So there's just a lot of adjustments. We have way too much supply versus demand, and we have outdated selling strategies to try to deliver to the marketplace. Okay. You, you mentioned work from home. Is that For you, is that a bit of a, a non-topic or a bit of a red herring that's a bit of a trend for people to talk about that and how, you know, how we need to cater to the work from home employee? Or is it a valid argument that, that uh, you know, that's a person who 
you know, need servicing like people who work in an office and we should be providing a solution for, for those people working from home? Well, I think there's a solution for the at-home worker, but it's not going to be about putting a DCA tool on a printer. I think that's pure fantasy. I think when people look at that work from home office and you try to inject our past glories or our past business models into this remote worker, it's, it's, it's going to be a disaster. People have had printers in their houses for decades. People have been working in their home offices for decades. We're just going to expand that and they're going to work a little bit more. And I always ask my friends in the documentary channel, you know, your employees all had to go home. How many of those employees did you hook a DC, DCA tool up to their printers and you're so concerned they're going to run out of toner that you got to, I mean, it, I think we're living in a lot of fantasy, but we can make money off of that. We can make money off of that by telling our customers, hey, when your workers need a product or service, come here, we can sell it to them transactionally. But to think that people are going to pay some management services contract for their house is just pure fantasy. It's just lunacy. Yeah. What, what about print uh, security, IT security uh, and, the, and the printer at, at home? Is that an opportunity for the reseller community? I think that's an opportunity for those IT service provider companies. But unfortunately, because the channel and the imaging channel, for instance, has procrastinated really getting into that IT services deliverable for a long, long time. I mean, if you look at my friends at Marco out of St. Cloud, Minnesota, they've been doing this over 10 years. They're extremely good at it. They have a broad depth of it. But, you know, when you start looking at Amazon, and you start looking at AT&T with their purchase of a company called Alien Vault a couple of years ago for, for IT security services, when you start looking at Salesforce, buying an RMM company as an example, there's global players that are going to get into that enterprise space and secure those homes more than some local dealers. But some of the local dealers could easily provide some of the equipment that those at remote workers need or remote workers need. But let's be honest, we're not going to sell file cabinets in people's houses. We're not going to sell cubicles in people's houses. They're going to have a laptop and a handheld, maybe two handhelds, an iPad and a, and a phone or an Android, wherever their you know, flavor is. Mm. But we're, we're living in a mobile world and the resellers need to figure out how do I deliver quick to that mobile world? I can't be Amazon, but what can I do that's different? You know, what solutions can I bring to the table to help my companies help their employees as they work? Okay. And what advice would you be giving then to, to dealers? What should they be looking at or doing? Well, I think there has to be consolidation and there has to be a different strategy in how we do our acquisitions of each other. In other words, another copier company buying a copier company past this COVID thing is pure insanity, unless it's an asset sale and you're buying the top off it and you can make some sense out of that. But, you know, go out of the box and look at an IT services company. I don't believe, and you know, a lot of people argue with me about this, but I don't believe that the channel has time to learn how to do IT because there's too many people in the space that already know how to do it. Go find these local companies in your marketplace that you can partner with, merge with, you know, why, why the imaging channel or the, or the copier channel needs to look at some of the OP providers. I mean, I had a, a company out of Nashville, you know, A to Z office resources. And, you know, Robbie's got a big company down there in Nashville, 40 something million dollar business. I mean, that company would make a lot of sense with the right, you know, IT company or maybe the right document imaging channel company. But you know, yeah. I, I did a video a couple of years ago and I talked about the document imaging channel or some of these in-depth service providers could go buy a CPA firm and bring financial services together. So we just got to think out of the box. You know, there's, there's a book I'll tell all your readers to go get it and read it. It's probably about 20 year old published date. 
It was by Keith Sawyer and it's called Group Genius. But he talks about the power of collaboration outside of your world. How do you collaborate with people that can that can bring something different? And one of his quotes in there, I might misquote it, but he says something like, when, if you look in the same place that everybody's looking, you're going to miss the same thing that everybody's missing. So we got to start looking in new places and, and, you know, not only us, because our customers are doing it. You know, you ask what changed about COVID. Well, COVID brought an awareness to our customers. They got to fix things. They got to quit procrastinating their digital strategies. They got to figure out how do I do things different to accommodate my workers? Because of whether we like the remote work or not, it's about availability. And if companies out there say, you know what, our employees can work remote, it's going to be the new benefit. Just because we own commercial real estate, we think that remote work is going to be the worst thing in the world. Or if we're a technology company, we think it's the greatest thing in the world. There will be something in the middle that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and we've talked about convergence, haven't we, for for a while? It's been it's been mainly with the IT and the print side. Where do you think where do you think the office products dealer fits into this equation? Does he fit in at all? I, you know, I was really surprised when I started looking at the office products, and I started really in Chicago last year. But you know, from the document imaging channel, we always looked at that that, that company as well. They don't have any contracts. It's all transactional business. Most of them are little. Well, hell, if you look in the document imaging channel, you know, there, there's a lot of little ones. And yeah, they might have contracted business, but it doesn't really matter if the customer wants to get stuff transactionally. And I would guarantee you that a lot of the OP or office products resellers through this COVID are doing more in new business around toner and printers than our friends in the document imaging channel. <laughs> because they were so stubborn with this fantasy about management services for everybody for the last 20 years. The office products resellers, because they're transactional, because their customers have the ability to go to their websites and actually buy things and receive them without any human interaction, those are benefits in times like this. And those benefits will ramp up more and more. But the janitorial yeah. aspect, too, you know, a lot of those folks who are in Jansan, that's, a, you know, that's not going away. You know, our yeah. channel, what are we doing? Well, let's go sell thermostat machines. Well, that's fantastic. That'll last about a year and a half. And that's the <laughs> stupidest thing I ever heard. And no one's going to, that's not going to be the new deliverable for the imaging channel. <laughs> yeah. So, I think what, what, a, what a lot of the office progress dealers did very quickly and successfully was move into the PPE, face masks, you know, gels and those kinds of things very, very, very quickly yeah. uh, to, offset, to offset the declines in their traditional products. Was, was there an equivalent to that? In the, in the print and document imaging channel where they, were, where they were selling new solutions? I know Clover has been selling PPE, hasn't it? Clover's done well. And, I, I, you know, I don't know this for a fact. I should call Jim and ask him. But I would, I would, when you look at the marketplace, it looks to me like the office products resellers did much better. And the reason is because the office products resellers sell so many things, adding things is easy. It's part of their processes. When you look at a, at, a, at a legacy imaging channel or a copier dealer, everything they sell for the most part is under contract. <laughs> you know, it's about a product and it's about a printer or a copy machine and the service that goes along with it. So for them to try to sell selling PP or mask, I mean, I can see the arguments they're having. How do we pay the reps? Who's going to, how are we going to go to the market? I mean, it's just too confusing for them where the office yeah. products people just jumped in and did it. Sure. So, Still, still on the on the on the office product side, one of the buzzwords in the in the office products channel for the past few years has been MPS, and the need the need of of office products dealers to to have some kind of MPS contract or or service. 
Do you think that's a good idea or should they be looking to stick to their transactional business? I think that was a fantastic idea for all the people that were going to benefit if the office products resellers got into MPS. <laughs> but in all reality, no. If you look at any DCA tool right now that's attached to the equipment inside the document imaging channel, these are the folks that have the contracts. These are the NPS gurus. So if you look inside those contracts, you're going to find between five and seven printers that are not under contract for everyone that is. And those five to seven devices are being supplied, sold by the OP group, by Amazon, by outsiders, because the document imaging channel was obsessed with putting everybody on a contract. So I think it's important for the office products resellers to understand how to execute a managed print services contract. But if they run around and do what the imaging channel did and assume that everybody in the world needs to be on one, they're going to lose a lot of their business. You know, when I talk to my friends in Nashville, their, their toner business actually grew through COVID, you know, because they, they could respond in that transactional mode. So whatever you do, I would hate to see the office products reseller trade in their transaction what they do really well when we're all going that way, especially around print, to chase this fantasy around managed print services, which was really an enterprise deliverable. It was never meant for the small business. One of the things that Ascendant said it would do after after the Staples acquisition of DEX, obviously Ascendant and Staples belong to the to the same group, was that they would use DEX to service you know, MPS offering for, for their dealers. I mean, I don't think that's got off the ground because of, of COVID, but could you see the logic in that? Well, it was, and I think they did that. I think they took, Staples took all of their contracted devices that they had done on management services, pushed that over to DEX Imaging. The thing that was depressing, you know, I predicted that would happen. I said either Office Depot or Staples would buy a mega dealer before it happened, and I visioned that because it made sense. It would take that push economy process, which is the DEX imaging or a copier dealer. We push products to customers. It's to the pull economy processes of either an Office Depot or a Staples where customers pull products to them. We went through this whole COVID, and it seems to me that the day that everybody went home was the day they should have turned that Staples.com website on to all the DEX customers. And it seems to me that they're still working in these silos. And so the integration of that isn't where I envisioned it would be. And they're going to be two years old with that acquisition in February. So, you know, hopefully if they're watching this, they'll slap themselves in the face and start interviewing. Yeah, there might be challenges internally. I mean, the way Staples, I believe, is organized, the, you know, the retail and the, the B2B side, you know, they're not to fully integrated by any, by any means. So that, that might be a reason for that, that you're not seeing, you know, the store network pushing the DEX offering in their local communities. I think it's more about the decks pushing the staples off. You see, this is the problem. You know, you know, most of, most of these dealers, when they get into e-commerce is a great example. They get into e-commerce, they think that's about bringing someone to a website to fill out a form so they can go try to sell them an A3 copy when they only need a print. And they can't comprehend letting someone just click buy now to pay two or $300 for something, then get in as a customer and do some more exploring. Yeah. Mm. And if you looked at all the Dex imaging customers, there's thousands of them. Through this pandemic, they were sent home. You know, if there was a way that they could have, if they, 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 you know, the excuse we're not integrated. You know what? That's just an excuse. If you, if you really want to be integrated, you can integrate. And we just have to stop. It seems to me we're trying to drag these past processes to the future instead of bringing the future to the present. And if we continue to do that, there'll be new players that'll come into the space and challenge all, all the resellers. Yeah, I mean, how, how do you see Amazon playing playing in the in the imaging 
space. I think Amazon, well, they're already playing in it. The question yeah, is, sure. you know, how yeah. much deeper do they get in it? I see Amazon, you know, Amazon does 50% of their business to business is through contractors. And I don't think they talk about that enough. It's not like they wipe out all these businesses that people say. They actually employ a lot of companies. And there's a lot of people who made a lot of money going through Amazon. And I think they'll, they'll, they'll do more and more of that as time goes on. But Amazon, if you think about what they've just experienced, they've experienced the whole world being at home in front of a PC and they have some phenomenal, I would love to see their data. They know that the person's spending more time on Amazon when they work remote than when they work in the office. They know they spend X amount more dollars. They're going to try to do everything they can to keep this that remote work thing going forever. And they have, you know, billions of dollars. And Bezos already proved that he's not afraid to collaborate outside the box. So they're interesting to watch. But I think a threat from, you know, Salesforce is another one. It's a software company, but it's a, they're a threat. They're a threat to get into the IT space and offer help tech services to customers in their houses. So AT&T is another one. So there is a play. Doesn't mean that independent dealer is going to lose. It just means they can't take their human to human relationship. It's going to be more important than experience. Because great relationships are lost to better experiences every day. And, you know, the, the industry really has to pay attention to that. Yeah. Okay. Just quickly, some uh, you were, I think, um, a proponent of the of the Xerox HP merger. That didn't happen, reportedly because because of COVID. Perhaps there might be no other reasons. <laughs> but uh, do do you think that will be revisited, or is that uh, is that sort of dead in the water? That that deal. I don't think anything's dead in the water, and I think COVID makes for strange bedfellows, as I say. Um, we have to have consolidation. I think HP completely missed the ball on this. And, you know, there's, there's arguments going back and forth to that. But when I predicted that HP would buy Xerox, you know, I did that because you just, the synergies were that HP was a much bigger company. Just logically, it made more sense. Mm. But what Xerox proved is they're bold. And I don't think them buying Xerox would have been the end game. I think they would have brought somebody else in with them to reduce some of that debt. And you could use your imagination. That could easily happen. But Xerox is a bold company. I mean, they they will acquire somebody. I did a video, you know, talking about who some possibilities. I mentioned Conic as an example. But a manufacturer doesn't. It doesn't make sense for a manufacturer to go and start buying some of these big, huge roll-ups because unless they have a direct footprint. Because if they're just going to buy a, a, a roll-up that has a whole bunch of different products in it, they got to they got to clean up all those different products. They got to get it all on the manufacturer's platform. That'll take too long. And they don't really have any ad backs they can put back in the deal. Where if a Xerox, on the other hand, because they have this huge direct footprint with global imaging mm. plus their direct footprint, if they were to go start buying up some distribution, the ad backs, I think, would be off the chart. They can make, they can make that very profitable very quickly and at the same time condense the marketplace. Yeah. And I think you'll see that in the OP side as well. You know, you'll see some, some big people coming together. No, we fully expect to see that. So you've um, you've made some predictions which were either correct or pretty pretty close to being correct in the past. What what are you what are you thinking about when you look ahead to 20, 2021, 2022? What do you think is going to happen? I think you're going to get surprised by who acquires who, and you know right now it's it's just a guessing game. I mean, you could put some logic to it. Like I said, I, I think it would be foolish for a manufacturer to buy a distribution channel unless they already had one. Um, you know, I think HP and their A3 silliness, you know, is, is kind of gets in their way. 
but I would say that Xerox will probably be the boldest because they've already proven they can be bold. And, you know, from the mega dealers inside the industry, you know, I don't know, you know, will one of them decide to clean up the other two and then clean it all up and put some money back to the bottom line. You know, Andy, the only thing the industry can do at this point in time, I don't believe they can sell their way out of, they're not going to sell their way back to pre-virus. So they're really, the only thing they can do is cut the cost to deliver. And when Rico evacuated the market with all their direct operations in 2017, that, you know, their, their site was, Hey, we can't make money delivering that SMB space. It costs too much in this model. So they were right. They, they were proven to be right with that. And, you know, when you look around the, the globe and you look at all these players and there's way too many of them. Yeah. And you know, I think, you know, Xerox buying Conica is one of those companies that could easily do what both Xerox and HP did. Conica has $3 billion worth of business outside of print with their industrial products that they sell. And, and they also have their uh, medical yeah. that represents about 3 billion of their $9 billion in revenue. So, you know, it's not far fetched to think they could do the same thing HP or Xerox did. Yeah. You know, Kia Sarah's an extremely wealthy company. You know, they, they could go out and gobble up either a Sharp or a Toshiba. It wouldn't be a big deal. But, you know, th- those thinking there won't be consolidation, we need, we need to think about more of what could be based on what it should be. And if we can get our head yeah. there, we'll be prepared for what's going to happen. Yeah. Obviously, Nine Star of. Uh have been purchasing let's mark and the static control and those kind of companies do you think they're still going to be a, a force to be reckoned with in the in the uh, you know sort of the acquisition space i think it'll change in my mind i think that nine star will be a asia powerhouse and i think nine star will still provide aftermarket supplies to the u.s i don't think that's going to go anywhere the Lexmark nine star thing, I, you know, I think there's some possibilities there. You know, Lexmark's 49% owned by private equity in the United States. <laughs> it's only 51% owned by nine star. So it's not unlikely for even the Xerox is a great example. Hey, Lex, you know, nine star, let us take, let us take Lexmark. And oh, by the way, they just signed an agreement with nine star, what, a couple of weeks ago to buy all their, you know, new build toner and stuff. So, yeah. you know, there's some interesting players in the space. You know, who, who, who wants to distribute, who wants to manufacture, and who wants to be the direct footprint? But I don't think they can do it all. The problem with this is this is the very first time the print industry really lost both the ability to sell its hardware and service revenue. You know, 2009 is not a comparison. That was a vertical around construction and real estate and banking. <laughs> this is the whole globe. You know, this is every single industry and mm. this, I believe this quarter will be painful. So we'll start seeing some, you know, repercussions of all of this coming this quarter that we're, that we're in right now, or we're going to start yeah. this week. Yeah. Okay. What's well, um, certainly challenging times for, for everyone, including the, the print industry. So let's see uh, how it all pans out. Listen, Ray, appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much for, for talking to us and, uh, yeah, hope to catch up uh, again fairly soon. Well, Andy, it was great to see you. And, uh, hey, I want to get you on the end of the day with Ray coming up, so look for that invitation. We'll, we'll see about that. Keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to OPI Talk. Find us at opi.net for all the latest news and analysis from the business products world. You can download our app from the App Store or Google Play. Just search for OPI Magazine.